All right, guys, if you have your Bibles, I'd like for you to turn to John chapter 3. It's going to be a very familiar passage. There's a lot of verses in this passage that are often used. In fact, one verse, we see it at a football game every time on TV, John 3.16, but we're going to talk about that next week. Um, we're going to look at the story of Nicodemus coming and visiting Jesus. So John chapter 3, we're going to look at the first eight verses. If you're using a pew Bible, that's page 561. So we've been doing this series with the sole purpose of wanting to meet Jesus. And, and as we're looking at this, it, it helps us to understand what's going on in Jesus' day. What's going on with the mindset of the Jews? Why did he choose to come back then? Because that helps you to understand what he's going to be talking about. So today, he's going to make a statement that all of us here have heard, you must be born again. Have you heard that before? Humor me. Have you heard that before? Okay, yeah, okay. Born again, uh, another way of putting it, uh, if you read Christian literature, is born from above. The old, uh, the old uh, devotional writers would say born from above. Uh, but we, we understand what it means. It means to be saved. It means to come to salvation. But this is the passage where Jesus brings it up. I'm going to help you to understand why he brings it up, because I think it's relevant to where you and I are at today. If we understand what's going on in Jesus' day and why he had to say it, I think you will find it's relevant to where you are today. What do you mean? Well, here we are 2,000 years later, and we live in a somewhat Christian culture, so we have free churches that people can go and and, and worship in, and, and even in our area, families tend to go, I, you know, I've you know, been here for 20 years, and so I know all the other churches, and one of the things I've noticed about the churches, no matter where they are, is that families gravitate to certain churches, not necessarily because of doctrinal beliefs, some do, but primarily because family. It's the ties that hold us together, and we want to worship the Lord together. And so what happens sometimes with that is one generation moves on to another generation to another generation, and then sometimes assumptions are assumed that we're all, okay, are you ready for this one? We're all Christians, and we're all going to make it. That's actually quite prevalent in our culture today. Everybody is going to make it to heaven. And the reality is, is that it's to be with Jesus, you're going to be in the new creation later on. But the reality is, is Jesus is kind of answering that because that's the thought that the Jews had at the time. So well, let's look at the passage together and then I'll help you to understand it. Maybe we'll glean some things from it today, okay? We'll glean some things. Maybe we can identify with Nicodemus, but maybe we can identify really with what Jesus is saying, okay? So let's look at it together. It'll be up on the screen if you have your Bibles. You can look at it as well. We're going to look at verses 1 to 8. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do these signs unless you do, that you do unless God is with him. 
Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I, that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes. You hear the sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. All right, so we're going to take this very familiar passage and we're going to try to gain some things and, and understand what's happening here. So let's start, first of all, with why this conversation comes up. So Jesus is visited in the night by Nicodemus. Now, you maybe have heard some folks said, well, Nicodemus is on the slide, doesn't want people to know that he's coming to visit Jesus, so he comes at night. Yeah, maybe. Can I tell you what it really may have been? If Jesus is doing miracles during the day, People are being healed, the lame are walking, the blind are being made to see. How many people do you think are hanging around Jesus during the day? Just a few? Everybody and his uncle, right? Because the, the Gospels tell us that they brought everyone to him for healing, right? So if you want to have a personal conversation with Jesus, do you do it then during the day when he's surrounded by everybody? No, you go in the evening when he is by himself because everybody else is going to be what going home going to bed now who's this Nicodemus he's only mentioned in the Gospel of John he's mentioned here in this chapter he's mentioned in other two other chapters only to gospel that mentions him now remember this is written in AD 90 so the other Gospels don't mention Nicodemus at all but who is Nicodemus first of all he's a Pharisee what is a Pharisee well it's a group of Jews who were very conservative, who would be, what we would even say if we were to identify, it would be like evangelicals today. They were mostly middle class. They were mostly had funds. They weren't blue collar people. They were middle class people, businessmen, so forth, landowners. He was also a ruler of the Jews. He was a part of the council. We're going to see that later. He's mentioned a part of the council. The council was actually called the Sanhedrin. It was the religious council that ruled the everyday lives of the Jewish people at that time. So this guy shows up to see Jesus. Now, here's two things I want you to see about why he's there. Okay, here's the first one. He was looking for the Messiah. Remember, I told you, that's what the Jews were doing at this time. They were under the oppression of the Romans. Everything was not going well. They wanted freedom from the way the world, their society was going. They wanted the Messiah to show up, the great conqueror, the one who would set everything right, the one who would make Israel once again into the great nation that it was promised to be. And here comes Jesus. He's teaching in a way that is, blows everyone's minds he teaches with authority that others that day didn't have. He's doing miracles that are testified of in, the, in the, the book of Isaiah. Is this the Messiah? 
Remember, we've already seen that when we talked about those, official, those four initial disciples. Come and meet him. Is this the Messiah? That's the question. They're, they're wondering, is this the guy? Is this the guy who's going to show up? So he's thinking the same thing because he's a devout Jew. And he's wanting the Messiah to show up. So guess what? He's going to show up to Jesus. And notice how he addresses Jesus. I think it's interesting. We know you are a teacher sent from God, but who else? Because who could do those signs? Who could do those signs? So he's recognizing them. Now it's interesting, isn't it amazing? Because we just looked at last week when he cleared out the temple. What did they ask for him? What authority you have to do this? Show us a what? Sign. He was already doing signs. It's whether they wanted to believe him or not. This guy wants to believe. Now, the next point I'm going to help you show you is the point that's going to help you to understand what's going on here. Why this discussion of being born again? Here it is. Here's my next point. He operated on an assumption that he was okay. He operated under an assumption that he was okay. What do you mean by that, George, that he was okay? What assumption is that? Well, he was a Jew. And in the mind of every Jew there, they were, let's use our term, going to heaven. Why? Because they were born a what? Jew. And the promises of Abraham and the promises of the covenant belonged only to who? So if you were to say to them about you need to get saved, that would be like, what are you talking about? They, they still act that way. Their promise is what was given to Abraham. And that was theirs because they were what? Abraham's children. So notice now Jesus comes along and he brings up the discussion that has to rock this guy's world. Because now he says, you know what? If you want to go to the kingdom of heaven, you have to be what? born again. Now do you understand why the reason for born again? It's because he's talking to someone who thinks he's okay because he was born a Jew. So this is the visitor who comes and what we see now is Jesus entering into a discussion about the need for rebirth. And I think this is relevant to you and I. It is relevant to you and I in this sense. You're not okay simply because of where you go to church. You're not okay simply because of what family you came from. You're not okay because of what country you're in. You're not okay about any of that. It's not, it has nothing to do with anything that's, first of all, out of your control, right? Did any of you decide where you were gonna be born? Yeah, so I was born in West Berlin, Germany, in an army hospital. I tried to tell my mom to go back to the States, but that didn't work in, 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 in utero, right? That doesn't happen. You, you come out where you come out. And did you have any choice about the family you were born into? No. Those who were the decisions of God, right? But here he's coming along, he's telling them 
when you talk about being okay with God, it's about something different. It's about being reborn. So let's take a look. There are six things we're going to see here. Okay, let's start first of all, verse 3. Now it's interesting. Here's what, if you look at verse 2, it's Demas, Nicodemus, coming along and he's doing the introduction. Ah, we know you're a great teacher. You know, you must be sent from God. I mean, he's doing all the, the formal, you know, buttering you up stuff, right? Read verse 3. This is how Jesus answers it. I mean, it's like, is Jesus, oh, that's really nice. No, look what Jesus says. Jesus answered and said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Whoa! <laughs> Where's that coming from? Here's my point. Jesus gets right to the issue with people. That's reality. Jesus gets right to the issue with people. That is not human, is it? What do I mean by that? Well, Okay, I want you to think with me for a moment. <clears throat> you, ever, you ever known somebody and you know there's a problem between the two of you? Or you know there's an issue, and, uh, but it hasn't come out to the surface yet, and especially if you're in public, um, there's no other way to say it. You put on a mask, and, and you kind of are, oh, hi! And on the inside, you're like, I want to grab your throat. You know, do you know what I'm saying? And, and, and we, we act that way with each other, right? We, we, we kind of put on the airs and stuff. Jesus doesn't put on airs, folks. When, 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 you, when you get with him, he gets right to the heart of the issue because he knows what the issue is. And he's wanting to help this guy who's wanting to find the Messiah get to the heart of the issue. Quit resting in your birthright because you actually need to be reborn. That's the point he's making here. here. And, and, and see, that's the way Jesus is with us. You ever gone to prayer and, and you know there's like this big pink elephant in the room with you when you go to prayer and it's this thing you know you should be talking to the Lord about but you don't talk to him about it at all but it's just weighing on you. God knows it's there. You know it's there. And you don't talk to him, but have you noticed God's spirit always brings it up? Because Jesus gets right to the issue with people. And he's getting right to the heart of the matter with Nicodemus. Nicodemus, quit resting in your birthright. You need to be reborn. Now, when you look at the next thing, look at how, verse 4, when you look at what uh, Nicodemus says... I understand why he's saying you gotta you gotta understand what's going on here when you read this. He's blown away, like, whoa, where did that come from? How's that possible? Look at what he says. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? How can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? He's trying to wrap his brain around what Jesus is saying, and he can't, he doesn't understand. 
first of all, he's probably blown away that we're getting right to the heart of the matter of what's going on. I don't even understand what he's talking about, Nicodemus is saying. How's this possible? And that's where Jesus comes along and he gives us some very detailed things about what it means to be reborn. So here it is. Let's look. All right? Look with me, verse 5. Jesus says, Jesus answered, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of the water and, and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. All right, so he's going to make two points here. Here's the first one. You have to be born again in order to enter the kingdom of heaven. All right, let me just kind of make a point here. We're going to see it emphasized twice in this passage. There is no other way to get to heaven except through Jesus. He's making that point clear here. Uh, you know, we live in this pluralistic world where how dare you make exclusive claims? I'm not making the exclusive claims. Jesus is. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? Jesus says, you must be born again to enter the kingdom of heaven. There's no other way. You have to be born again. Bottom line. You have to be born, you have to be spiritually reborn. Now he's going to tell you how to do it. How, how, well, how do you do this then, George? Well, he says there, verse 5, look at what he says. Unless one is born of the water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Now some, some for years, a lot of, there are different views. There's one view that was main for a while, and that is the water means natural birth. Well, yeah, that's assumed anybody who's human is going to be able to enter the kingdom of heaven. That's not what he's talking about, though. If you look at the concept of water here in the context of John, it's John's baptism, which was what? A baptism of repentance. In fact, John chapter 3, when we get done with this discussion, he's going to go back to John's baptism one more time. And so here's the point I want you to see. Spiritual rebirth requires repentance and spiritual transformation. That's what it means to be born of water and the Spirit. It means that there is a repentance. Now, what do you mean by repentance, George? Is that something I have to do? No, it's a change of mind. It's a change of allegiance. It's recognizing who he is. And saying, yes, I will follow you. I understand. And then of the Spirit, that's the Spirit transforming you. And when does that happen? The moment you turn to Him, who enters into your life? The Holy Spirit. And you're changed. You're transformed. And guess what? You're born again. It's spiritual rebirth. This is the point. It is the only way for you and I to enter into the kingdom of heaven. And, and it requires what? Repentance and, and allegiance. To who? To Jesus. To Jesus. Folks, it's not praying a prayer, okay? That's a vehicle to express the allegiance. But that's not what saves you. It's the faith that saves you. The faith in who? When you turn your allegiance to Jesus. And guess what happens? You're transformed spiritually. This is the reality here. Here's the other thing he says. Look with me at verse 6. 
Verse 6 is, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Okay, so here's what the point is. I'm going to spend a couple moments here. This rebirth transforms you spiritually. Let, let me say that again. This rebirth transforms you spiritually. Okay. All right, now remember, before we prayed, we sang that song, East to the West. We sang about the reality of our sin, the forgiveness of Jesus. I, I talked about it a little bit before we prayed in the sense of the relationship and the love that God has for us. You know, here, here's the reality. When you and I get up, when we're alone, and we look in the mirror, if we were honest with ourselves when we look, okay, we tend to identify ourselves by our failures and our sins and the struggles that we have. And let's just admit it, we all have struggles. They just take different forms. There's a theological term for that. We see ourselves as carnal. But that's not who you are. You can act carnal, but that's not who you are. When you come to Jesus, he transforms you from carnal. What's carnal? Carnal is where unbelievers are at. When you come to Jesus and you're born again, that which is born of the Spirit, Scripture says, is what? Spirit. You become spiritual. He transforms you spiritually. Do you understand? You're different. You're new. And, and it's not just here in the gospel. If you go to a lot of Paul's teaching in the epistles, he talks about that he's made you new or that you are a new creature in Christ, that you have died to the old self. You're now a new person. Do you understand where that's all coming from? It's coming from the reality of where salvation is. And so some of you here this morning need to realize that your identity isn't what you thought it was when you looked in the mirror and all you saw was your regrets. Your identity is here. In Jesus. That you're new. Did you understand? But it takes you being what? Reborn. The rebirth. The rebirth transforms you spiritually. And then again, he makes this, and you know, I told you it's Maybe not correct to say it, but he's saying it. Look at verse 7. He's flat out saying it here. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. Do not marvel. Don't spend your time like, oh my goodness, why is he saying? No, this is reality. This is what Jesus is saying to Nicodemus. You have to be spiritually reborn. Now this, let's, okay, let's, let's put it, let's, let's go back to Nicodemus. Here you are, you have a guy who is 
in the upper echelons of Jewish society who is a ruler, a member of the council. I mean, when this is the guy when he shows up in a synagogue, oh, here, Nicodemus, have a seat right here up front. Back then, they would sit up front, okay? Not in the back, all right? So up front... He thinks he's okay. Because why? He probably could tell you what tribe he was from, what day he was circumcised on. Isn't that what Paul did? Circumcised on the eighth day, a Hebrew of Hebrews, of the tribe of Benjamin. Nicodemus could probably do that same thing as well because he's resting in what? Who he is. His birth. And here comes Jesus saying, that ain't it. That gets you nothing. It's the rebirth. In fact, isn't that what Paul does in, in Philippians chapter 3? I count that all but rubbish, except for the excellence of knowing who? Jesus. So, the reality is, look, if you think about where Nicodemus is at, I think that's where a lot of us are at. We, we kind of rest in the reality. You know, I, with all of my kids, I've told them, salvation for you is not because you're a preacher's kid. You have to make that decision yourself. That's true for all of us. And the reality is, is that it only takes place because of the Spirit. That's why Jesus makes that point. Here it is. Jesus proclaims that it's absolutely essential to enter the kingdom. You have to be born again. The only way to do it. He's making that exclusive claim. You have to be born again. You, it's essential for you to enter into the kingdom. How's that possible, though? Well, it's because of the Spirit. Here, look at verse 8. Because you're like, wow, okay, I got this point, I got it now. Why verse 8? Look at what verse 8 says. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but you cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Okay, you lost me, George. What is he talking about? Well, here's what he said. Spiritual rebirth is the uncontrolled work of the Holy Spirit. Just so you understand that this is not something, just like with natural birth, you had nothing to do with your natural birth, right? Everybody understand? Everybody agree with that? Yeah. The day you were born, you had nothing to do with it. That was your mom and dad. That was nothing to do with you, okay? Same thing when you're spiritually reborn. It's because the Spirit of God, who cannot be controlled, reached down and opened your heart and mind and gave you an understanding. And you reached back. And he changed you. You understand? He changed you. That's what's so wonderful. Okay, so George, what do we do with this?
It is so easy for you and I to lose track of our relationship with God. We get busy, we get distracted, we get in routines. Coming to church is a routine, right? I mean, it can be a routine. It's a good routine. Don't break that routine, okay? We want to see you. But you know how things are with routines. They become meaningless. And you lose sight of things. But then always something comes along, and it especially happens when you are a believer. If you lose sight, something will come along and it will shake you. And you're left like, whoa! we got to get back to the basics. Because we realize we need Jesus. But if you've been born from above, you realize, I'm okay. He transformed me. He'll carry me through this. And you become more appreciative of what? Of Jesus because he saved you. In spite of you. I mean, holy cow, of all the people to pick, some dumb kid out of South Carolina, army brat, why would he save me? I've thought that many times. Why would he save me? Ever had those kind of thoughts? Why would he save me? Why would he set me on the path he set me? Why would he give me the family I have? Why would he put me? I ask this all the time. Why would he put me here in Pennsylvania? So uh, that's a complaint, not a... Uh, no, it's not. I love you guys. Okay. But that's grace. See, ultimately, can I tell you what it does? Here's the thing. Okay, stop for a moment. Do you ever get to the place where you're like, man, God's got to be mad at me. No, he isn't. No, he isn't. Now, he's patient. But something drives him. And that's love. And it's because of the rebirth that we can experience that. Something to think about. Let me pray for you.